0: Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Welcome to the Weekly Top 3, the top three things on our mind here at Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, for the week of March 1, 2021. The Weekly Top 3 is a regular segment on The Michael Nukes Show. The show broadcasts on Facebook Live and via streaming audio from the show's website weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. I join Michael weekly in the first hour of Tuesday's show from 6.25 to 7 a.m., for a discussion between the two of us about our three issues. We post the podcast of our discussion following the show on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify pages, also on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets website, as well as the projects page on national blog site medium.com. You can find past episodes of the weekly top three also at the same locations. Keep in mind that in addition to these podcasts, During the week, you also can follow and participate in the discussion with us of these and other issues affecting Alaska's fiscal and economic condition by following us on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook page and through our posts on Twitter. This week, our top three issues are these. First, we discuss the growing battle over whether to overdraw the permanent fund. Second, we explain what Representatives Merrick and Rasmussen really mean when they say they intend to stop a, "quotes income tax, close quotes. And third, we celebrate some good news from the oil patch. And then at the end, in a bonus round, Michael and I respond to a listener's question about whether we believe Bill Walker is likely to run for governor
1: in 2022. And now, let's join Michael. It is Tuesday. Speaking of redundantly redundant... We don't always go over the same thing, but it seems like we continue to circle back. Uh, it seems like we continue to circle back to some of the same issues each and every time. The weekly top three is our chance to dive down deep into some issues that are important. Uh, and bringing me that information every week is my friend Brad Keithley, who is the founder and director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's a full former oil and gas attorney, now retired who has dedicated his life to trying to bring Alaska back on track. He comes on every Tuesday and starts with us uh, this morning. Good morning, my friend. How are you?
2: I'm doing fine, Michael. Are you suggesting this is Groundhog Day every
1: Tuesday? I mean, every Tuesday. It's You know, it's not always the same thing exactly, but it seems like we revisit some highlights each and every morning, right? I mean, it's just it seems like we keep coming back to some of the same basic tonal issues.
2: Well, in part, that's because we never get anything resolved. We just keep that's kick, true. kicking, keep kicking the can down the road, and so it twists. It twists a little bit. It twists like five degrees, but it's the same. You're right. It's the same issue. Uh, uh, Time after time, if we could get some of these resolved, we could move on to other things.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think what are we doing this for, Brad? Six years now. Six years we've been going. Seven years now, and uh, seven years. Yeah, yeah, it seems like we keep coming back to some of the same issues over and over again. And we're like, I mean, can't we just? We've laid the answers out. We've laid, We've We've discussed it. We've dissected it. We've given you probably multiple options for how to fix it, and yet nobody wants to do it. And I just I wonder what the I wonder what the heck is going on with that. All right, well let's uh, let's dive in here in the beginning and start uh, kicking things off. Um, the coming battle over the permanent fund draw and uh, the overdraw that's going to be happening. What what are we what are we talking about here, Brad?
2: Well, Michael, this is uh, talking about Groundhog Day. This is a continuation of basically a continuation of what we've been doing for the last ten years. Which is, which is going to some reserve pot of money um, at the end of the legislature saying, well, we, we've got this deficit, uh, we're not ready to make the hard decisions yet, and, and so we're going to go to this reserve pot of money uh, and, and, and tide us over one more year. And we promise, by gosh, we promise when we come back next year, we're going we're to we're do all this. And that's, that's been going on for 10 years. During the past 10 years, We've drained down $20 billion of of those sorts of reserves between the CBR, uh, the SBR, the statutory budget reserve. We drained that, and then the constitutional budget reserve. We've now come close to draining that. Uh, We've just kept kicking the can down the road. Now we're coming to this legislature. uh, uh, The legislators during the campaign all said, oh, we got to resolve this, we got to resolve this. But now that we're in session, we we find you know one more effort by some uh, to kick the can down the road, or one by 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 some factions to kick the can down the road, by saying, well, what we'll do now is we'll just start you know easing in and doing overdraws from the from the permanent fund earnings reserve. And by overdraws, what we what what they mean is taking more than the five uh, percent draw set by SB 26. The the, the percent of market value to draw set by SB 26 in consultation uh, with the permanent fund corporation uh, on how they do things, uh, taking more than that 5% uh, to, to, uh, to fund government. Um, at the, be- at the beginning of the year, it looked like there was just no way around uh, uh, having to do that uh, in some form or fashion. Right. But as the years gone on, Uh, it's beginning to look like um, uh, that is not a necessity uh, 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 for a couple of reasons. One, the principal one is because oil prices have gone up, and and we're looking now in FY22 uh, at about $400 million more in oil revenues than than are what in the latest forecast. Now, that depends upon oil prices staying uh, up. uh, to the levels that they've that they sort of achieved at the levels that the that the futures market are telling us uh, 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 that they're projecting out now uh but it it yeah i mean given what Opec's doing and given what uh, uh given what's going on on the demand side in the market that that four hundred million dollars is looking pretty good so w- what we're coming down to is 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 this choice between going to the going to the to the reserves what we, what we're calling the reserves yet again uh, to to fund government or um, frankly living with our means the the issue that this is all coming down to is is the permanent fund dividend to 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 have any sort of uh, reasonable permanent fund dividend uh, given that we don't have other revenue sources right now to have any sort of reasonable permanent fund dividend. You would have to make a, a an overdraw. You would have to go into the earnings reserve uh, to uh, to get additional amounts to uh, to make that dividend. And so we're having this battle is coming is coming sort of uh, into light or coming into focus uh, around the permanent fund dividend. Governor Dunleavy has said that he wants to make a, uh, an overdraw in order to have a full PFd in uh, FY 22 right um, and he's recently got some backing for that uh, Andrew Jensen who's the uh, editor of the the managing editor of the Alaska Journal of Commerce wrote a uh, an op-ed uh, earlier uh, la- or last week uh, in support of that saying that uh, uh, saying that he would support uh, uh, going big for a permanent fund uh overdraw. But the governor's the governor's rationale around that is that Alaskans need money. And frankly, part of the pushback that I think we're going to see uh in the near future is uh Alaskans are going to get money. Uh the 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 federal relief package that's currently before Congress adds another $1400 uh on top of the $600 that was passed Uh, to to individuals that was passed uh, in December. Uh, That that $1,400 for a family of four earning less than 150000 dollars would produce uh, $5,600 in direct payments uh, to that family compared to the $3,400 that came from the CARES Act uh, last year. So we, we have money coming into the economy. And I think as this debate goes on, uh, we're going to hear a lot more about. Well, we're already getting this injection of money coming in from the federal government. The $5,600 in terms of in terms of direct payments from the federal government, plus uh, another $400 in uh, uh, unemployment compensation, uh, extra unemployment compensation uh, provided by the federal government, plus uh, there is additional uh, uh, compensation in the additional payments in the federal package for uh, poor families uh, uh, with children so there's a lot of money coming out of the federal government that's going to come into the economy the question is whether we need to the question the debate's going to be whether we make the permanent fund overdraw which is essentially a tax on future generations uh, or whether we uh, we balance the budget without doing that overdraw live live within our means as some will put it. Uh, and rely on the federal government payments uh, to provide the additional money that some say uh, Alaska families need.
1: Well, and how much, I mean, Brad, we've warned about this, right? I mean, we talked a little bit about this before where, uh, you know, the, the the downside was if oil prices go up, I mean, that's better for the state, but it also gives them more political cover and more room to kick the can down the road yet again and not face the harsh issue of the $13,000 per Alaskan in spend in state government. I mean, it just it gives them one more excuse not to have to face those hard choices uh, yet again. And this is a choice it's eventually going to have to be made because it's going to continue to increase. It's going to go up. I mean, gov- the the budget increases 100 plus million dollars a year every year. If we do nothing and absolutely everything remained the same and the, and the legislature was out of session and everything else, it would go up. Eventually, we're going to have to face this issue. This is it's kind of like a two-edged sword. I mean, one, great, we've got more revenues coming into the state, but two, it doesn't fa- it doesn't force them to face the consequences of their action.
2: Well, we are facing the consequences in the sense that balancing the budget would mean virtually no PFD. Um, uh, living within our means would mean virtually no PFD. We would be using – we would be taxing the PFD uh, in order to uh, – virtually entirely – in order to uh, to balance the budget, so the choice that we're really coming to, we cho- the choice we've been headed toward uh, for the entire past decade, and the choice we're really coming to, is is are we going to run government uh, by taxing the PFD, pushing the burden? Uh, to middle and lower income Alaska families, or are we going to run government on a more equitable, well, uh, uh, revenue
1: base? But that may be the that may be the easiest path, and we all know that the path of least resistance is usually the path taken. I mean, that may be the easiest path, but the bottom line is, is that that money is Alaskans' money; it's owed to them; it should be paid, and the monies, the efficiencies, should be found in other areas. There are plenty of other areas that we've delineated on the show, whether it's. You know, formulaic cuts. Uh, you know, uh, efficiencies, unfilled positions. I mean, all these other things that could be addressed. The easiest thing is just to take the PFD from people. It doesn't Absolutely. make it the right thing to do. Absolutely,
2: there are there are cuts that can be made in government. Absolutely, I mean, we've talked about them for the last ten years. Uh, you've got uh, uh, the university is a is is a good example. You've got uh, Medicaid. Fifty percent of Medicaid is. Uh, is is optional Medicaid. This, Alaska's opted into more, virtually almost more Medicaid services, optional Medicaid services uh, than uh, than any other state. We haven't examined uh, the BSA since 2008. Since Mike Hawker did it in 2008, we haven't re-examined uh, K through 12 funding. Absolutely, there are there are places to make uh, to make uh, cuts uh, in government to make it uh, to, to create a lower cost government, but. The governor tried to do that in 2019. Uh, We saw the the explosion, the pushback uh, that occurred. He couldn't even get 16 uh, legislators to support the level of cuts uh, that he proposed to make at the time. He had to settle for a much lower um, uh, level of cuts as as a result of that, and those essentially got wiped out uh in uh, in the subsequent legislature uh the gov- the, the it's it, it it started the ball rolling on the recall effort which continues to this day uh and the governor has not the governor uh has not uh proposed those deep cuts uh in either of the subsequent two budgets that that he's proposed to make those cuts you've got to have 21 ultimately you got to have 21 plus 11 the governor could do it uh, uh for a year uh, for or for a sequence of years by making the vetoes and having 16 uh, back him up in the legislature, but uh, he he seems unwilling to do that, and that's only a temporary fix because you know when you roll into the next governor, whether by recall or 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 by election, uh, uh, then you start all over again. To make those cuts permanent, you've got to have 21 plus 11 to redo uh, the formulas to redo the the, the appropriations. Uh, uh, process and, 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 we just haven't had it. So, you know, the, yes, we can, you know, theoretically we can, uh, we can, we can make those cuts. Yes. The theoretically the governor can come in and do it, but he hasn't, he, he hasn't, he didn't have the backing in, in 2019 when he tried to do it. And he hasn't, uh, he hasn't, uh, uh, even proposed to do it, uh, in the, in the two years subsequent to that. Uh,
1: Brad maintains his static argument that leadership won't make cuts. There's no basis for this legislature. I don't know exactly what that last sentence means, but I mean, I think, Brad, you're just you're just painting the obvious. I mean, there is no – I mean, I think it's basically a way of saying there is no political will to make cuts. We would all love to see the cuts made. I mean, I, it's what I was trying to say when you were saying, well, they're just going to go out to the PFD because it's the path of least resistance. Uh, if we keep pushing back on, well, there's got to be more than that. There's got to be other cuts. There's got to be things to, to to do. You're right the PFD is the easiest path. It is the easiest road, but there is, has been up until this point, no political will to make any other substantive cuts. That's the bottom line.
2: And and Michael, there's not, there's as long as we use the PFD as a funding mechanism, there's not going to be because as, as I've said over and over and over on the show, but I'll say it one more time, the top 20% have no incentive uh, uh, to make cuts. They're not paying For for government, they've shut the – using the PFD shoves the burden of the cost to middle and lower income Alaska families, Uh, and the top 20 percent is not paying. So there's this – as I've said before, there's this unholy alliance between those who want to maintain government spending and the top 20 percent, like Natasha, uh, in the legislature who are saying, Okay, we won't won't move to cut government spending as long as you won't try to pay for government spending by taxing us as long as you continue to use PFD cuts. And if you don't have the top 20% engaged in trying to make in trying to make uh, uh, spending cuts, which you don't, as long as you can use PFDs, uh, if you don't have the top 20% engaged, then you don't have the donor class engaged. You don't have the lobbyist class engaged. You don't have the people who actually uh, 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 can motivate the legislature, motivate legislators to make cuts. You don't have them engaged in the process of trying to make cuts. So I, we're, we're failing. Not only is not only is the uh, is there this huge push to keep government spending at 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 fairly at, at current levels and if not higher, but we're not u- we're using a funding mechanism which which enables that by not ahead. by not pushing the burden <clears throat> the portion of the burden off on the on the very class uh, uh, donor class that could that could force those spending cuts to come about.
1: Give me a tease for number two. Which is, of course, uh, reps. Merrick and Rasmussen. They both said in both in public forums and in their letters to the to their constituents that one of the reasons why they broke with the Republican caucus was to prevent an income tax. Uh, you're going to tell us what it, you're going to translate that for us.
2: I am, and and uh, and and when they say they they oppose an income tax, uh, they oppose one form of income tax. But but I think. I think what they're not saying is that they're implicitly favoring uh, another form of income tax, a, con- a continuation of the of the type of income tax that we've uh, that we've had. So uh, we're going to talk we're going to talk about exactly what they mean when they say income tax, and why that's why that's really a linguistic sleight of hand uh, to uh, to to jump past. Uh, 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 jump jump past some controversy that they're trying to avoid.
1: Wait, you mean uh, words matter? Is that what you're trying to say? Are you trying <laughs> to try to say words Words do matter. Words words matter, and what you say really means something? We're in a number two, which is this discussion that we're hearing out of people like Kelly Merrick and Sarah Rasmussen, that one of the reasons why they jumped ship from the Republican caucus was because they wanted to protect us all from an income tax. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily sound... Uh, It doesn't mean what you think it means. You keep saying that word, I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, Brad, what do you you read into this?
2: So so what's going on here is this. We have an income tax. Alaska has had an income tax since 2016. PFD cuts are the diversion of of private sector income, the statutory statutory private sector income, the diversion of private sector income to government through withholding and then then, then reappropriation of that money to government. uh, to government, it is the classic. It fits the classic economic definition of a tax, and it's a tax on income, uh, in, dollars that otherwise would go into the pockets of um, of, uh, of, of largely middle and lower income uh, Alaska families. Have the biggest impact on lower, middle, and lower income Alaska families. So we have an income tax. So what is it? What is it that Merrick? and Rasmussen are really saying when they say, well, we're going to oppose an income tax. I mean, they, they've not. Neither one of them have opposed uh, PFD cuts. They've both voted for budgets uh, that, have, uh, that have continued uh, PFD cuts. So what is it exactly they're saying? Well, what they're saying is that they're going to oppose an alternative revenues source that would, in fact, uh, uh, tax uh, the top 20%. Um, it would, in fact, reach and have an impact uh, on the top 20% uh, uh, through uh, uh, through uh, setting the tax rate based upon based upon overall income as a portion as opposed to the portion of the income that comes through uh, that comes through the PFD. What what Merrick and Ann Rasmussen really are saying is we've gotten ourselves on the finance committee to it's like Natasha to protect the top 20% to protect uh, a segment of the Alaska. Uh, 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 income brackets to protect the top uh, 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 Alaska income bracket from paying a, uh, their share a share uh, of of the cost of government, N- neither of them said anything about protecting against PFd cuts, which is the true income tax we've had uh, since two thousand sixteen so i take it, I, I take it that, that what we 've got here is really just you know sort of the house version of Natasha. Uh, uh, over, uh, over on the Senate. Natasha has continued to push back, saying we're not going to have an income tax. I'm going I'm to stop an income tax. Uh, uh, by income tax, she means a, a revenue source that would include the top 20%. I'm going to stop that over in the Senate. Basically, now we have Merrick and Rasmussen over in the House uh, uh, doing the same thing. And, and it's significant. I mean, I, I think about this for a moment. The the, the, the the Democrats, the minority uh, uh, Democrats in the House, the, the the coalition that's got put primarily by Democrats, should be the ones that look out for the average basket. They should be the ones that look out for middle- and lower-income Alaska taxpayers. Yet they've agreed uh, to put uh, uh, Kelly Merritt and, and, and Sarah Rasmussen, who are making these statements, uh, on the House Finance Committee – which effectively uh, w- will serve as a block uh, to uh, to a, a, a more broad-based uh, uh, revenue coming in, uh, getting getting its way through the, the House Finance Committee. So, I mean, it's Rasmussen and Rasmussen and Merrick really don't oppose an income tax. Um, uh, what they really oppose is is a is a revenue approach that would include. Uh, the top twenty percent and they're terming that they're calling that an income tax uh in order to be able to uh, uh sell themselves as uh, as as conservatives or as 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 non taxers to their constituencies but at the same time they're doing that they're they're they've supported uh, uh, uh the, the 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 income tax we've had since twenty sixteen uh in the legislature i it's it's a misuse of language frankly. Uh, in order to cover, uh, by it's a misuse of language by them, in order to cover uh, what they're really doing. And what they're really doing is, is being protectionist of the top 20%, um, as opposed to a uh, protectionist of uh, Alaska families on the whole.
1: Well, let me play devil's advocate because I think what they would say was, well, it's not really an. In- I mean, it's not an income tax because that's not you know it's government money. It's a payout. It's a dividend. It's a welfare check. I mean, that's kind of the reaction that many on the uh, on the right seem to have when it comes down to taking the PFD. That seems to be their argument is that well, it's really a government expenditure, and so it's not really income. Uh, It's just a nice to have. It's not a must have. And so they don't they don't see it that way.
2: Well, and 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 that ignores that just ignores Governor Hammond. But it ignores to me, the fundamental issue is this. Uh, The the PFD is Alaska's form of oil royalty. Uh, If you live in the lower 48, where you have private ownership of lands, uh, landowners get a share of oil profits directly into their bank accounts uh through royalties in alaska because the state was set up under the under the statehood act by the federal government that the state owns uh the the lands uh the the royal, royalty estate the mineral estate instead of instead of allowing private ownership those uh funds initially those funds that otherwise in the lower 48 would go to individual would go to individuals into their bank accounts, goes initially into, in Alaska, goes initially into the state's bank account. Governor Hammond brilliantly saw through uh, that issue and said, look, uh, in Alaska, the Alaskans are the landowners. Uh, Alaskans are the landowners, and we're going to share a portion of those oil benefits, oil revenues, to Alaskans through the PFD. The PFD is really no more than the Alaska royalty. Um, uh, it is a share of the, of the benefits from the income. What, what, what Rasmussen and, and Merrick, if they make that argument, what they're really saying is Alaska is really a socialist state, and, and we're going to confiscate all the benefits of, of the mineral estate to the state as opposed to allowing it to flow to individuals, as it does uh, elsewhere uh, in in the lower 48, and and we're going to and the state's going to hang on to the, that money uh, instead of instead of as Governor Hammond envisioned, uh, allowing a portion of it to flow through uh, as royalties to uh, to the individual Alaskan uh uh owners i mean it's it, it's really a very socialist argument on their part if that if that's the argument if that's the argument that they make
1: well and as i've pointed out i mean the state already receives 75 percent of the royalties goes right into the coffers all the corporate taxes all the infrastructure taxes all the ancillary fees and taxes go straight to the to the state's bottom line and then they get 50 percent of the revenue of the 25 percent royalties that go into the Permanent fund itself, and then is spun off in the earnings. They get another fifty percent of that. I mean, they're already at like ninety-seven plus percent of all the income that's generated by the resources of the state. They're already taking them and spending them, and now they want the other three percent.
2: Yeah, and it's and and it's a specialized tax, Michael. It's the same as if in Texas or Oklahoma, the state came in and said, you know, royalty owners, you're going to pay all of your royalties instead of you getting to bank. Those royalties that you get under your lease payments, you're going to pay all those royalties to the state uh, as a tax. It's a specialized income tax uh, that uh, that that takes away Alaskans' uh, royalty checks uh, uh, and puts them uh, puts them into the state. It's it's not. I mean, it you you there there is no way from a classical economic standpoint. There's no way to avoid saying uh, that this is an income tax. Statutorily created income that goes to income that goes to individuals is being withheld by the state in its capacity as sort of the middleman, the intended middleman of this transaction. Governor Hammond set it up so that the Permanent Fund Corporation spun off earnings. The earnings went to the state. Uh, the state, as a middleman, as sort of the fiduciary, distributed it out to the to the royalty owners. What, what's happening is the state, in this middleman role, is saying, oh, No, no, we're going to take it. We're going to take it all for ourselves. It's like your stockbroker said, You know, all those profits you made by your investments, out we're just going to take. I'm going to take those because I need them for some. I need them for something else. So there's 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 no avoiding from a classical economic standpoint. There's no avoiding that this is an income tax. Um, uh, on on Alaska families that hit a specialized income tax that hit middle and lower income <clears throat> Alaska families the hardest. Yeah. It is an income tax, yeah. and and for Rasmussen and Merrick to say, oh, we're going to oppose an income tax. I mean the the what translated what that really means is we're going to oppose an income tax on the top, that, that affects the top 20 percent that's what we're here for we're going to let this income tax that affects middle and lower income alaska families continue to roll we're just going to oppose the income taxes that would that would reach the top 20 percent
1: harold says keep believing 20 percent of alaskans are the cause of alaska's fiscal issue it's high government spending Who passes the budget? The 60 folks you send to know that's the issue. I mean, why you think that these two things are mutually exclusive, Harold, that keep keep believing that 20% of Alaskans are the cause of Alaskans' fiscal issue, it's high government spending, those two things are inexorably joined. I mean, I think that's what Brad is trying to say. I mean, the high government spending is due in part to the fact that the top 20 percent have not had a fiscal shoe in this game. I mean, they they are not feeling the pain like those. And Timothy, I think, made a comment earlier on about how the low income earners or non earners are the, are not going to feel the pain. They're all feeling the pain. Everyone's feeling the pain right now at different levels. When they take the PFD, it affects everyone. Now, those at the lower and middle income classes feel it a lot more. I mean, when you're only making twenty thousand dollars a year and they take $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 a year from your family income, that's a significant chunk. They feel it more than the millionaire or the person who makes $500,000 a year. They feel it a lot more than that. And I think that's the point that Brad is trying to make on this.
2: Oh, absolutely right, Michael. I mean, uh, ITEP did a a great study in 2017 about about the, the impact by income bracket. Uh, of uh, of PFD cuts and at a at a billion dollars. If you're trying to raise a uh, billion dollars, and you're cutting the PFD to raise that, that billion dollars, you're taking something like eighteen percent of the income of the uh, of the lowest twenty percent. You're still taking like ten percent of the income of the next lowest twenty uh, percent. Uh, that's that's the tax rate income eighteen percent of. Of their income, counting the PFD as being is being taxed away because you're diverting you're diverting the PFD. You're taking something like 0.2 percent uh, of the top uh, top 20 percent uh, income. I mean, you're you're taking a, a latte a day or you know a, a, a nice meal. on Comparative, your right?
1: Exactly. As a comparative, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. It's like you're taking a car away from one guy, you're taking a cheeseburger away from the other guy. That's I mean, as far as buying power, that's yep, what we're talking exactly about. Right. And Brad has talked about all. I mean, we've talked about all the different things that could be done to help bring, uh, you know, the uh, revenue back in. And we have talked about oil taxation, Harold. We've talked about it. Brad has admitted that there's money left on the table. We could still, we could still visit uh, on the oil taxation issue. That there, we could still pull, you know, couple, several hundred million dollars out of that deal as we sit down and revisit it and lock it in. Brad's not oh, heck, shied away from that.
2: Oh heck, I took, I took huge amounts of. of crap from friends in the fall supporting prop one i mean what do you mean i haven't I haven't talked about oil taxes i was all over prop one uh uh in the fall uh and 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 there are ways that you can that you can adjust oil taxes i mean but oil taxes are not the solution we're not going to raise a billion dollars uh through uh through it uh, through, uh, through increased oil taxes you have to find there have to be other ways in which alaskans participate uh all alaskans participate equitably Uh, In the cost uh, in the cost of government and PFD cuts, PFD cuts just isn't it. And but 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 to go back, I mean, Rasmussen and and it's so blatant. If you if you really understand what's going on, it's so blatant what Rasmussen and Merrick are doing. They are so blatantly signing up for the top twenty percent. We're you know saying we're gonna we have an income tax, saying now we're gonna oppose an income tax. Clearly. Just means we're going to oppose an income tax, applying the 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 revenue uh, approaches to uh, to the top twenty percent. Uh, it's just, I mean, there, we we've got to raise revenue if we're not going to cut costs and we're not going to cut spending. We've got to raise revenue, and we've got to raise we've got to raise revenue in an equitable manner. And 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 Merrick and Rasmussen are just saying they're going to oppose that.
1: Well, and like I said, I mean, I think that I mean I'm still hoping for cuts. I'm still hoping that with the new crop of legislators in there that we have uh, some chance of getting in there and talking about some of the cuts that could be made on all the places that we've talked about today uh, you know the school funding and and uh, and formulas and and allocations the the uh, uh, hess budget and uh, yes even a discussion on oil taxes I think all of those things need to be on the table. Uh, but, I mean, we've got to face it, past performance is indicative of future results, and heretofore, the legislature as a corporate body has not been willing to make those cuts necessary. And with the increase in oil revenues, it seems less likely that it will happen now than it would have three or four months ago.
2: Yeah, exactly right. They're, 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 I mean, they're going to use that use that as an excuse to say, well, we've, we've sort of got through it. we got to cut the PFD deep. But we don't need to raise revenues any other way, in, in, in essence, saying we've got to tax middle and lower income Alaska families deep. Uh, but uh, but that'll be enough. We don't we don't need to put any revenue responsibility anywhere else, uh, anywhere else in government. And, and and Michael, not only do you need a legislature to, to, to have cuts, you need a governor to back up cuts. And after 29, after the experience of 2019, after not getting 16 to back him up on the deep cuts um, uh, and and having to, you know, limit his cuts to to a much smaller amount to, to finally get 16 uh, to support him um, and, and and after the recall efforts the governor's just not behind this anymore um, and and he's not going to be behind it the recalls sitting there you know poised to, 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 to get enough votes the governor's not going to to, to push the cuts necessary uh, to uh, the to to, to, to overcome this overcome the deficit through cuts because it will just trigger the recall on him so it's just we are where we are we tried in 2019 we tried it failed It failed miserably uh the recall sprung from it the governor hasn't tried again and and isn't going to try again
1: uh brad keithley is our guest alaskans for sustainable budgets we're down to the last two minutes here number three uh some good news leave us with some good news here brad
2: there's there's really good news on the Pika project. The Pika project is 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 on state lands. It's not affected by uh, the, President Biden's uh, 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 actions with respect to federal lands. It's on state lands. Huge prospect, huge 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 project uh, on state lands. Uh, important to Alaska. The first tranche of it is about eighty thousand barrels a day. I've been concerned. Others have been concerned about whether the project is going to get uh, adequate funding. Uh, to go forward. That issue hasn't been resolved yet, but but the owners, Oil Search and Repsol, feel comfortable enough that they're continuing to fund uh, uh, the project. There were some announcements made by Oil Search uh, in its annual report uh, uh, last week. Uh, Kay Cashman of Petroleum News followed up uh, with an interview with uh, with Oil Search. There's an article on that uh, in the Petroleum News that I would recommend uh, uh, people to read. But Oil Search uh, continues on. Now there are there's a, a lot of steps yet to go. They are trying to uh, uh, sell a portion of their interest in order to help with the funding and frankly help their their uh, corporate uh, uh, fiscal situation. Uh, out a lot of things to go, but but. But good news in the sense that uh, they're continuing on. They've they've had additional discoveries. They've drilled additional wells. They're making investments out in the field, and they've indicated they're going to continue to make the investments necessary uh, to flush out the project over the over the course of the
1: year. And in the chat room, just said, "I heard Walker is thinking of running again. Hope that's not true. Unfortunately, it is true. And with the passage of uh, of, um, of Prop 2, uh, it might be uh, more realistic than you think, uh, with the uh, with the so the ranked voting and the jungle primary and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Bill Walker may have a larger chance, and and uh, I think Brad and I were talking about this earlier. Scott Kendall, of course, uh, one of uh, Bill Walker's lackeys, was uh, was one of the prime movers and shakers in this uh, prop two uh, fiasco as well. So this is a. The- it's a multiplicity of, of bad bad issues coming forward, Brad.
2: He was, and 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 just think about what Prop Two does. Prop Two has an open primary uh, where anybody can file, you don- and you're not running in your in in your party lane. You're running all together. It's like the California primary system or the Louisiana primary system, and the top four from from that primary go to the uh, general election. Top four. So uh, let's say uh, 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 you know Governor Dunleavy runs. Let's say the, the Democrats have a candidate that they want to run. There's still two more slots uh, that go to the general election. Bill Walker's relatively well off; uh, uh, has self-funded most of his campaigns. Uh, he ran for governor in 2010, 2014, uh, uh, 2018, uh, and uh, and and can self-fund. Uh, uh, his, his run, I, you know, if he has any inclination to do it, that 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 top four is 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 a big attraction because you can get yourself to the to the to the general election by just finishing uh, in the top four in the primary. So I, I think there's more than than a likelihood. I mean, the fact that that Walker's surfacing it, uh, I think, is certainly a, an indication that he's that he's prepared to do it. Um, he really doesn't have to raise money to do it. I think there's more than a likelihood that uh, that Walker runs. And what you're looking for uh, is is getting in the top four. Uh, and then in the general election, y- you don't have to win. Uh, you don't have to get the majority or the plurality of votes in the general election. Uh, if, if you hold the top guy under 50 percent, then you start counting second votes, uh uh in uh for candidates and 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 third votes i think i think we go down to three um uh, third votes for candidates and 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 whoever uh ends up with more than 50 percent out of ultimately ends up with more than 50 percent as as you eliminate the lowest uh vote getter uh whoever ends up with more than 50 percent wins so i you know that's a very for somebody like walker who can self-fund I mean the, the big issue in these in, in the in a jungle primary and the big issue in a general is whether you can raise the funds to be able to do it um, uh, somebody like Walker who can self-fund I think that's a I, I would say there there is a much higher than 75 percent chance that Walker does it
1: well Brad Keithley Alaskans for sustainable budgets <clears throat> we'll see uh, I appreciate your weekly beating here and uh, hopefully next week we'll maybe we'll have something new I appreciate you coming on board.
2: Michael, as always, thanks for having me.
1: Appreciate you coming out and uh, being part of it today. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets.
0: Well, that's a wrap for another week's edition of the weekly top three from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you again for joining us. Remember that you can find past episodes on our YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify pages, and keep track of us during the week on Facebook and Twitter. This has been Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We look forward to you joining us again next week on the Weekly
1: Top 3.